0: Welcome to the Pair Program from Hatchpad, the podcast that gives you a front row seat to candid conversations with tech leaders from the startup world. I'm your host Tim Winkler, the creator of Hatchpad, and I'm your other host, Mike Ruin. Join us each episode as we bring together two guests to dissect topics at the intersection of technology, startups, and career growth. Hey, what's going on, everyone? We're back for another episode of The Pair Program. I'm your host, Tim Winkler, accompanied by my co-host, Mike Gruen. Mike, how are you today, sir? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's Friday. Can't complain. Um, excited for uh, today's episode. Uh, we're going to be covering this topic of building in stealth mode. Um, so, you know, interesting topic. You know, it's it's, uh, it's a, a very unique way of, of starting up uh, a startup. And some of the things we'll cover will define you know, what it means to build in stealth. Uh, we'll discuss some of the benefits and the downside of growing in this way and explore the different ways to transition out of stealth mode. Um, so we've got some excellent guests who are well-versed with this topic. Uh, Mike and Roselle, thank you all for spending some time with us today. Thank you. Great to be here. Good stuff. Um, all right, yep. Yeah. So before we dive into the discussion, as you all are uh all aware, we like to kick things off with a fun segment that we call Pair Me Up. Pair, pair Me Up. There it is. Um, this is a, a segment where we all kind of go around the room and we call out some complimentary pairings. Uh I always like to start with uh uh Mike Gruen, my co host. Uh what uh what's on your agenda today to to be paired up with? So uh
1: my pairing is, uh, it's, uh, cold, like rainy days and pho. Like, I don't know. They just go together for me. Like when it's a little, little chilly doesn't, you know, and, 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 and dark outside, um, going for some pho. Just, I don't know. It's just, it, it's like a pho day. That's the, that's sort of my thing. Um, I dig that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's also great for hangovers as well.
1: Yes. And also I love that so many pho restaurants have Fun names like Favreal, which is the place that I go to, <laughs> shout out, uh, but uh, or or the one that my sons and I want to start at
0: the beach someday for sure. So, uh, for sure, <laughs> <laughs> that is good. I like it. I like it. Good stuff. Yeah, I'll um I'll jump in next. Um, so I um I'm gonna go with startups and skiing, and this is um, something that kind of came to my mind. Uh, went on a ski trip recently out in Utah. And met up with a few entrepreneurs, startup founders, some, some folks out of the, the VC space uh, in Austin. And while we were out there, we ended up meeting up with a, a, another group of startup founders. And these were folks that are coming from like SF and Boulder. And at one point, I think we had a group of around 20 folks who were all kind of in the startup ecosystem. And we're all kind of skiing, snowboarding, um, you know, uh, just kind of getting together out, out on the mountain. And I, I don't know. It kind of dawned on me that you know, there's a good amount of folks that I know in, in startup communities that I that I meet with uh, a lot of techies as well that surround themselves with this sport. Um, and I don't know if it's maybe just some similarities from a personality perspective, like you know, they're I don't know risk takers or the thrill. Um, but I'm, I've seen a lot of folks that are in the startup ecosystem kind of surround themselves with this sport of skiing. So I don't know. I was curious if. if any of uh, any of you all, do you ski, snowboard? Any any of you will partake?
2: Man, I tried downhill skiing once about 20 years ago. Oh, no, it wasn't downhill skiing. It was snowboarding. And I spent the whole day falling or getting up from falling. <laughs> While the little five-year-old went zipping around. Yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah. You're not alone on that, yeah. though.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I, I love snowboarding. I love how they... Usually have a nice way to get a beverage at the top of the mountain. I like how there's a place to get a beverage at the bottom of the mountain. I yeah. can
0: celebrate the entire experience. <laughs> right. Yeah. It gets a little dangerous after you've done that uh, that routine about five times. And you're like, maybe it's time to get off the mountain. I agree. Uh, well, cool. I'll, I'll pass it um, over to you, Roselle. Why don't uh, you give a, our listeners a brief intro and, and tell us what your pairing is.
2: Yeah, sure. So Roselle saffron. The CEO and founder of KeyCaliber. KeyCaliber is a company that allows organizations to identify their critical assets automatically. And so, so yeah. So pairings. Um, one that I was thinking of was a day at the beach and then an evening eating outside, outdoor dining in the evening, because you know if you're at the beach, you're someplace where the weather is lovely, and so then going for uh, an a dinner at a place where you're outdoors when the temperatures have cooled off and uh, it's, it's just lovely. But I like
1: that. Definitely
0: I, agree.
2: I have kind of a, a bias for wanting to be in the Caribbean. So that might have something mm. to do with that.
0: <laughs> <here>. <laughs> and then you go in like seafood restaurant for the most part. I feel oh, like that's...
2: actually, no, I'm, I'm quasi vegetarian. So okay. um, not not necessarily seafood restaurant, but you know, someplace with something fresh, and um yeah and just a, a nice outdoor atmosphere Outdoor
0: atmosphere, yeah, yeah. good call um cool mike hands what uh, what have you got for your uh well your intro and your pairing
3: yeah yeah so mike hands the vp of engineering at picnic we solved the problem social engineering at scale uh, i could jump into that later because i could probably talk about that for 20 minutes but i have kind of a controversial one Tim. i know you've kind of broached this before but being from Pittsburgh, there's a lot of ketchup. There's a lot of pickles talk. Nobody puts eggs and ketchup together. I love it. I grew up with them apart. I think they are delicious together. I don't know if they would run me out of town, but uh, I subscribe to it. And you know, even in my own household, a couple kids like it. Something it's disgusting, but uh, I think it's perfect. And I'm willing I'm more to stand by.
1: I'm more of a salsa and eggs. Like I love like a nice spicy Ooh. salsa and eggs. Um, I haven't ventured into ketchup, but I, I mean. I, it's tomato based i can see it
2: i <laughs> like mustard and eggs
0: what oh <laughs> you're a monster
2: <laughs>
0: what? i've never heard mustard and eggs that i'm willing wild. to try it i'm gonna
1: try it this weekend i mean kind I, of back, but i'd be willing to do it because um i like uh in my egg salad i'll put a little mustard yeah in the good egg good. Salad. yeah so so oh. i can
0: i can totally relate i got it i I, I like your style, Mike. I got shamed a few episodes ago for uh, pairing macaroni and cheese and ketchup. That's because that's disgusting. <laughs> it's not. No, it's, I mean, ketchup is a universal condiment. I mean, you can use it really anywhere. But um, yeah, ketchup and eggs. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a hot sauce and eggs uh, kind of guy. But um, I dig it. Well, um, cool. All right, w- went around the horn. Let's uh, let's let's transition here to the next segment. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, you know, we're going to be talking about building in stealth mode. We'll start with defining what this means. Um, you know, I found a few different examples online. Uh, the one that I thought that was kind of nice and to the point stated a stealth mode startup is a business attempting to bring a new product or service to market under a temporary state of secrecy. Um, so Mike hands, you know, you work with a startup you know, Picnic, who, you know, y'all you, you just recently came out of stealth mode. Um, can you explain for our listeners, you know, why did Picnic elect to build in stealth mode?
3: I think for us, it was a lot of focus, to be truthful. I think whenever you go on the web, you see people talk a lot about IP protection and things like that, that I think we had a big run on what we wanted to build. And I think it was really to just be hyper-focused. And I know just even in my past, uh, there was always a lot of discussion around, you know, what's X competitor doing or Y competitor. And all of a sudden you start pinning yourself to kind of like their pace when, you know, erroneously, you should just be focusing like inward on what you're building. So for Picnic, you know, we exited, um, feels like a lifetime ago, maybe like two or three weeks ago, kind of getting everything out there. But I think the initial onslaught and premise there was just really building the product that we were hearing about without kind of like a lot of external forces. And that doesn't mean no feedback, but just having to keep that pace
0: mmm so how long total were you all in stealth mode I would say probably like a year and a half year. Uh-huh.
3: yeah
0: yeah oh. wow and uh Roselle you your current company key caliber was was this stealth mode as well
2: yeah for the the first few months we we were in stealth mode as well yeah so for us we're we're essentially a new product category and so we wanted to take some time to get our ducks in a row a little bit before we we launched anything that was public facing related to what we were doing just because it is so novel and we're in cybersecurity where it's really tough to come up with something that's novel so that made it even more special and so so we just wanted to to be a little bit more establish in our footing b- before we, we put it forward.
3: You know, it's interesting to me about what you just said, Rizal, was I think about it very similarly, where there's not a magic quadrant. There's not like a Gartner kind of yeah. thing going for you. So you kind of have to be a little careful, too, as you're building to make sure you establish like what you want to be out there in the market. So it's not fuzzy when someone sees it. I think they they run to a
0: quadrant and they like look to see who's left and right of you.
2: Yeah, that's so true.
0: So, so I'm curious to hear, like, um, just generally, you know, in stealth mode, I mean, what are some of these other benefits of, of building in stealth mode? Um, I think you all each had your specific kind of use case, but, um, were there things that popped up along the way that you were like, well, this was, this is actually quite nice as well.
2: Well, you kind of, you build up a bit of an aura of mystery when, when you're in stealth mode. And so that can, can be attractive. Uh, certainly attractive to investors, and investors that know you and they say, oh, wait, you're up to something new. OK, I want to be the first one to hear about this. And sometimes even with customers, because they, they want to be the, the first to, to know about the new technology. Um, so sometimes there there are some, some benefits around it, just from the fact that this, this secretness makes it seem a little bit exclusive if someone can learn about it. And so, so yeah, that's, that's another upside of it.
3: I like it. I was thinking also about the opportunities it gives you around getting some things like brand identity together. Um, I know a lot of times when, you know, you're at a smaller company, you kind of evolve that. And sometimes that could be confusing to the marketplace where you have your initial idea. And then as you're just getting more feedback, you're kind of like moving that along and existing customers, not that they could be. Disillusion, but you have to kind of remind them. You have to kind of go over top with maybe your customer success function to make sure that they know where you're going. Or sometimes when you're in stealth, you get a chance to work with somebody on an identity. Probably get maybe a new web property out there that looks exactly like the message you want. Um, a lot of excitement around doing that too. Like I think it kind of breaks up a little bit the daily slog. Like you know that there's this milestone that you're going to hit, and it's more than just like a release of the product. All these different things, kind of like it wants. Or at least I love our. New yeah, work, that, that's a good
2: point. Yeah, so. having having more of uh, a solid understanding of how you want to market it mm. is is always helpful. And and the the more you can minimize how much that's done publicly, the, mm-hmm. the better. Yeah,
0: you've got kind of more control over PR. Um, you're not uh, you're not at the you know getting hounded by uh, maybe media firms trying to push out you know content about you. Which is great, you know, but oftentimes it's on your terms, right? And I think that's the, the bigger point. Um, Mike Gruen, have you, have you uh, worked with any companies or collaborated with any companies that were in stealth mode in the past?
1: I've had some friends that have worked at stealth, but I've never, not not specifically. I think um, it's interesting. I think I, I, when I think about it, the, the, some of the challenges that come to mind, or I'm, I'm just sort of curious. I don't even want to seed the conversation. I'm curious, like, all right, we've talked about some of the, like, hidden like things that the benefits, but I'm curious, like what were maybe a challenge or two that you didn't think of going in that, that actually proved to be be there?
3: I'm, I'm happy to rip the band-aid right off of hiring, which I think is near <laughs> yeah. to lots of people here, but uh, it can be hard whenever you're recruiting under the guise of stealth because you have to sell it a little bit more. And I think everybody here is very excited about the company that they work for. They have a lot of passion for it. But from the other side, you have to make sure somebody understands your stability there. You have to kind of explain to them the roadmap without explaining everything that's on the roadmap. Um, Startups give you this incredible opportunity to have, I hate to use the word like all these different hats, but in reality, you might be telling somebody about like the tech stack. Um, but then you also have to just be careful about how you kind of like weave that narrative. And I think it's a much more intimate conversation on hiring a lot of the times where in the past you had the, presence of your product to kind of sell a lot of it for you and then you're like closing the sale now you're the person that's doing like the warm lead you're the one that's kind of going through the pipeline and you're the one that's closing too and that's all exciting it's it's more work though being truthful
1: when you're when you're talking to a candidate are you careful about how much of what you're like i to me, that would be the bigger like because I've interviewed at come I've talked to people that are in stealth mode, and that's always been my hesitancy is that they can't they don't feel as transparent with me about what it is that they're doing because they're in stealth mode. And then it's like, well, I don't know how to move forward from here. And I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> curious if that was similar.
2: So, Mike, do you, do you want to answer that first? I, I, have, like, I have lots of please- thoughts. Yeah, please. No, please. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it, it, it depends on how you're defining in stuff. I mean, are you defining it as it's just not public knowledge or are you defining it as no one outside the mm-hmm. company knows about it? Mm. Cause there's a difference. And if, if it's the, the former, then you have more leeway when you're having conversations with engineers or you're having conversations with potential customers or potential investors. If, you, you know, it, they understand you're in stealth. This is close hold information. You're not signing an NDA, but they understand they're, they're not supposed to be like, just blaring it from the rooftops. And, and then you can have a relatively open discussion with, with those individuals. Um, and to me, I look at stealth as being more in that lane versus you're either inside the circle or you're outside the circle. And mm-hmm. if you're not inside the circle, then we don't tell you anything. Because then then that really starts to become a hindrance.
1: Yeah, I think that's a that good makes point. And I think that yeah. is a good point. And I think because when I think about it, when uh, some of the places I have interviewed, right, um, that are in stealth, if I know someone, that's a completely different conversation because we've already established a level of trust and whatever. And they know whatever they tell me isn't is it that I know that it's not public and it's not going to go much further. Um. So that's an interesting point as well. There's sort of what level of stealth are we, are we really talking about?
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm glad that you broke it down that way because I even think of picnic score, uh, you know, picnic rather, and you know, to us we had a web presence and people understood kind of you know where things were going. But as far as like product itself, like that was really the piece that you know you're you're focusing on. So as far as like Nobody understanding the idea of like the attack domain and kind of like where we're going, like that's less a thing. People already know that like that is a problem. The actual product that fulfills that and kind of like moves them to the next space. And that's the one that, you know, we kept the focus on internally until we were really ready to like externally push that out. So, yeah, that's a real good point. It wasn't like a cloak and daggers and nobody really understood what was happening there. And I don't know if I've had that experience to say, like, for six months, uh, we've been, you know, that quiet because that's a that's a real interesting one, you know, from a hiring mm-hmm. aspect. At least people could see, you know, some of the properties we had.
0: Yeah, we actually had to recruit for a a startup that was in I don't even know how you define that super stealth mode, right? Where uh, they were just going under the alias TechCo, and we had to literally tiptoe around i mean there was a lot of like um during the election there was a lot of like political you know ramifications if things got leaked too early and we we um we found it extremely challenging to the point where i just we couldn't we couldn't perform we we couldn't deliver and there's only there's only so much that you can do but when you're talking to a person and and they're like give me more and you and you can't um, and same way, you know, I'd sign like NDAs and all of these things. And, um, you know, we already have it challenging enough just trying to sell a startup that has all of the collateral up front. And, um, at least, you know, what you're referring to Rizal is like, you know, at least like your branding's already out there and you can go and check out the leadership and you can see who's, cause I think that's a big piece of it, right? You know, they want to, they want to buy into the leadership and they want to see who's 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 in, in the seat. But if you can't even see that and, and you can't really describe much more, um, it's just, I mean, it was super frustrating. And I don't think I would ever do it again in terms of <laughs> trying to trying to, you know, solve that problem. So for the companies that do do that super stuff, but I I would love to, yeah, maybe a follow-up episode and, and see, you know, how they navigate that because it's I mean, it's just uh it's hard enough as it is. So just adding that extra layer of difficulty. Um, I, I can't, I can't imagine how it's too, too effective.
2: And you'd have to just go only with internal people that you already know.
1: And even, Mm -hmm. and even there, like one of, like, I remember there was a, somebody who came to me and they were like, I, I, before I can even tell you this, I need you to sign this NDA. And I was like, I'm not like,
2: that's a turnoff. Right.
1: Like, I don't know, like maybe the idea you had is also an idea I've already had. And I don't want to like just sign something without knowing what even what we're going to really be talking about and i think it's um yeah it's interesting and i also think like the super stealth mode like i think there's a there's a point where it's just kind of crazy where people think that their idea is so precious and so like it's it's so much of i think startups is execution and so there's a level which like if your idea is that easily like ripped off like you're You should maybe reconsider it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there's definitely
1: a range there, but yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Because I mean, at the end of the day, it's ninety percent up execution, right? And so, yeah, you you need to have a good idea to get to that other ninety percent. But yeah, if if what you have can easily be replicated because of a conversation, then (laughs) your IP is not that solid. Mm
0: -hmm. Exactly. So when you're um, I guess when you're uh, at different stages of the startup's evolution, um, it it kind of dictates, I guess, how stealthy you're going to be. So, I think one of the setbacks that I've heard from is, uh, or or maybe you know, like one of these myths around it is like, how do you how do you truly find you know product market fit or you know collect feedback on your product from your target audience if you're not able to really be as transparent in public? Was that ever Uh, an issue or is that something that came up as you all were building out your products?
2: So I'm a very firm believer that you do not build in a vacuum because you are not going to hit the mark. No matter how well you know the space, it's just still one person's opinion. And so the way I see it is you can't have a successful tech company without having lots of continuous feedback from that potential customer base. And so even if you're in the deepest of stealth, you still need to talk to the people that are going to use the product. I mean, that's that's my, my take on it. I think
3: my take is pretty similar. And especially when I talk with candidates, I think a question that comes up that in the past got misinterpreted was, um, you're in stealth, you know, are you going to have customers in the future? And the answer is, well, you know, with customers now, like you have to get that feedback early on, like you could spend that time building, but you have to have somebody and some of them early on are going to be more flexible. And when you're out of stealth in a product space, you know, you might just be selling what's on the truck. But, you know, in both cases, you have to be getting some feedback and like formulating roadmap and things. So I, I think anybody that's solely building in a vacuum and thinking of the uh, if you build it, they will come like it's kind of a mistake. And it
1: definitely I wouldn't mix like the stealth and the build parts together. Uh, the to results point. Sure. Yeah, I I think it's interesting because I think there's an advantage with the um, with stuff. Like I think back to one of the very first companies I worked at where we had two solid customers that were like really invested in us as partners to help guide the product that we were building Um, for two different use cases. Both of them were like the dream partners in that they they understood they weren't the only customer. They weren't the only people and that sometimes their feature requests were like insane and like, but could you please like but the advantage of us having this relationship is like, but could you please build this for us anyway? We know that it's a one off and like you have that conversation. And I think that there's probably some advantage in being in stealth mode because you get to pick your customers a little bit more than, say, when you're out there and suddenly like I, I'll, I'll never forget when Disney came knocking and all of a sudden like we're like, oh, shit, like we're probably going to have to do this um, because it's Disney. <laughs> um, in the end, we didn't because it was going to be more expensive, but uh, than the contract was worth. But we won't get into that. Um but yeah, I think that there's probably some advantages from from that perspective. Is that is that the case? I, I just don't know because I've never actually worked in a stealth.
2: I think whether you're stealth or not I think that you're
3: probably always having those conversations just like you said, you know, and uh, there'll be some that fit, you know, your idea and there's going to be some that probably don't. It's you know how much custom work do you want to do like as a product company? You're probably always going to be evaluating that. If you're <laughs> maybe in stealth and more of like pro service based, I, I think it makes the Disney conversation harder because it's probably like big and juicy and it's Disney and Marvel, but like, yeah, I mean, you definitely have like lots of opportunities. I, I wouldn't close my mind to it. I think it makes it harder though, too. Like sometimes you, we talked about the NDAs earlier on, like sometimes you'll even find as you're talking to, you know, vendors as you're looking to kind of build out at least from like an engineering aspect. And, you know, it can be tough to kind of get them through that, but like you need that type of feedback. So you end up kind of like making some of those things work, you know, and, some companies
1: like Disney, you know, they're not going to sign your NDA. Oh yeah, You're going to be signing theirs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was so. like, that was the irony of that whole thing back then. I mean, this was in the 90s. It was, it was like a very different version of Disney, but it was still Disney. Um, I think they spent I think everybody spent more money on lawyers than the actual contract value. It was like <laughs> it was exactly. ridiculous.
3: Hiring the right software engineer doesn't come easy or at an affordable price. As an early stage founder growing quickly, you need strong technical talent without breaking the bank. That's why we created SCALE, Hatch IT's flexible recruiting program tailored for startups hiring on a startup budget. Whether you're looking to bring on a new head of engineering or a product manager, Hatch has you covered with dedicated support from seasoned tech recruiters at a fixed monthly cost. Take back the time you've spent sourcing through your own LinkedIn connections and let Hatch handle the heavy lifting of recruiting for you. And while you're at it, give your CFO something to smile about when they're no longer paying for high-priced finder's fees. Visit us at hatchit.io to start hiring on your startup budget today.
0: So let's uh, maybe talk about the, the transition out of stealth and what goes into that. So I was generally curious on you know maybe your experiences with Key Caliber. Is there a, a point here where it's like, you know, you're you're doubling down on on your marketing budget at this point or you know putting some money towards a, a large press release, I guess what goes into this um this this transition out of stealth mode
2: yeah, I mean we were still pretty early when we transitioned out, and this concept of a cushy marketing budget for a big splash unfortunately was not in the cards um and so so there there wasn't a, a tremendous amount of fanfare around it, but one of the big changes was that the the team Switch their LinkedIn profile. and that's that's actually that gets lots of attention um, in, in our industry because it's mm-hmm. enterprise. So lots of potential customers, lots of investors are on LinkedIn all day long, and lots so, of recruiters,
0: exa- yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so so it, it got good interest, um, and then people were excited to to learn more when we were out and out of stealth mode and at the point where we were talking about it because um, we sort of build up, we built up some hype from, mm-hmm. from being in stealth. And so that, that may have been all that there Well, and then the website went up mm-hmm. um, and we, I think part of why we were in stealth was also the fact that we didn't even have a name in mm. the really early days of it. And so we had to get that all squared away, get the domain, get the website up um so so some some of that was part of of the the movement when we we said all right now we're presenting key caliber to the world
0: how many employees were you at that point
2: uh, full time um <laughs> i think we were maybe only two still for oh, wow. full time yeah but we had a, a number of, of folks that were engineers Insulting. working um in in contracting role yeah
0: cool yeah Um, Mike, what about yourself? I mean, was, did you all do something similar at picnic or what, how was your uh, transition out? Our investment was probably a little bit different than was so we
3: had the opportunity to hire, uh, our head of marketing, Sarah, who is completely awesome. So we had a little bit of time to kind of front run what it was going to look like to exit. And she kind of, uh, quarterbacked all of that, uh, way better than I from an engineering aspect ever could. So, you know, super happy about that. And, um, you for know, a lot of like little changes along, which I thought were very interesting, you know, some of them are fun, right? Like a new logo that really resonates with everybody and a brand identity, t-shirts and stickers. So you can tell uh, where people stand by what their laptop looks like, whether they have all the new stickers or you have a mix of the old and the new. So fun things like that. And then the other stuff really for picnic, right? Kind of being in the social engineering space, you know, we're like very sensitive to outwardly what things look like um, because, you know. We have what we consider to be like prescriptive guidance for people to kind of cut that down on their own. So making sure everybody knows what it looks like to be on social media and kind of how to talk about it. So kind of neat, you know, for new people that kind of get this really great document that leadership has kind of thought through. Um, for people that are already here, like they get a chance to kind of acclimate to where we're going, which you know can be a little bit of a you know, turn up to be truthful, right? Because you've been operating under a certain way and then all of a sudden like the page turns and um, we're all the same, but you know, like we have like this new kind of uh, external set of forces. Um, and then the fun one, right? Like we talk about security, uh, and like I'd be interested in your thoughts on this one. But new people start emailing you. People start looking for things from you. You know, like would you like to hire these people from? You know, outsource things. Hey, what's your investment look like? Uh, lots of weird social engineering attacks and things like that. So just opening the door to that brings some of those problems almost instantly to you, where and some companies, they've had them since the beginning and like
0: you're already used to them. So you're like, can I go back into stealth mode? It yeah. was kind <laughs> of nice back there. Yeah. <laughs>
2: can I selectively filter and then say I'm in stealth mode for the ones that are trying to sell me something I don't want? Yeah.
0: <laughs> right.
3: You LinkedIn messages grow by like 20 of everybody trying to sell you something. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. And, and, and that
2: happens again when you announce a round of funding.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. LinkedIn actually has a stealth mode, kind of like company uh, that if you're building in stealth, you just kind of like t- tag yourself to that as your company. Have you seen that? It's like mock something or, or it's, uh, I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's, it's certainly um, just like a generic logo. It's like, oh, we're in stealth. Like that's who, that's who I work for. And <laughs> yeah. you're in there with like 50,000 other people, which makes it it's like <laughs> <Yeah>. a real <laughs> <right. a> mock- <laughs> yeah. tumbler of personalities, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah. It's kind of an interesting community. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of value that could be had from connecting with some of those other folks, but cool. I think that's, um, yeah, I think it's just, it's a really interesting journey. Um, it's definitely, uh, you know, against the grain. I don't think it's like what the majority are doing. And, um, so I love hearing about that. I mean, is there anything specific that, you know, and kind of closing, and before we transition to the next segment, that I don't know that that you wanted to share or, or talk about that stands out in your mind from that experience that would be, you know, uh, either useful or, or entertaining for the for the audience.
3: I could throw this out there, and this is just like my personal thoughts, but having been at a couple other startups where uh, we weren't stealth, but we weren't marketing ourselves. And like, we didn't have a lot of stuff figured out. We kind of just threw it out there. I think having at least some of the forethought to talk about like, hey, this is what it means to do all these things was super helpful as opposed to externally doing them, you know, maybe not the best because you just had too many hats on and things like that. So I, I often thought in the past, like, oh, not a lot of people do this. Now I realize that people are kind of doing it almost in an implicit way. Anyway, if you're not doing all these other things just just right. so uh, it, I think it's something to even just consider whether it wasn't on your radar before because it just gives you a little bit of opportunity to like focus and get ahead off some of those things, which you just might not know the repercussions of doing them a little bit
0: sideways from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, there, there's different types of stealth mode, like we said, like super stealth, but then there's also this stealth mode that's like in company stealth mode where you're building a new product you just haven't released it yet. Or maybe some of the other departments aren't aware of it. It's just kind of in beta and, and there's only a couple of departments that are tapped into it. Um, So I, I, something that you brought up, Mike, that I think is interesting too, is like on the recruiting side. Yeah. You got to do a lot more selling. And maybe what that means is you're bringing in like the founder on the first conversation. It's not the, you know, ending with the founder or the CEO and, you know when we when we hire at, at hatch anyways you know i'm i'm actively involved in the early stages because i think part of part of the the, the reason is like you really need to sell folks uh, regardless of your stealth or just a, a, an early stage startup um, we're encouraging that more and more frequently now because the market's so competitive to recruit um, the earlier you can get you know your your heavy hitting set, you know uh, engineers involved on the sales process to lock up, you know, these mid senior level folks that, that take a little bit more handholding, um, you know, almost operate like you're in stealth mode and and you need to, you need to, to give it that extra due diligence. Um, we're, we're encouraging that versus like, Hey, sign this NDA or, or here, take this cutting exam. And then we'll, we'll get, put you through a gate that, that then you can maybe talk to a recruiter or something. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't work in today's market.
3: Yeah. I'll, I'll just say one more that, you know, it's kind of close to home, but You know, we did a charity event and picnic about two or three weeks ago, a polar plunge, and we had a chance to kind of wear our new gear. And just from a morale aspect, like it's great to wear all that new stuff out there because you're excited. But then the other one, too, like when you talk about recruiting, it's really great to meet some people, kind of like share all of that at once. Everybody kind of sees the whole picture, like outside of work. And it's hard to do that when it's like a one on one type communication. Like you don't really get a lot of those group things when you're in stealth. So, like, that is one con that.
0: Takes a little bit to get around. Yeah, very cool. Um, I was there with you on that polar plunge, and it was, I believe about fifteen degrees outside. So appreciate the invite. That was a lot of fun. Now it was a good a good cause, and definitely saw some picnic swag getting thrown around. That was that was neat. All right. Um, any other closing statements? So I think we'll transition to the to the last segment here. Let's do it. All right. So this um, colorful wheel behind me, this is the community wheel uh, for a segment that we call Round Out My Career. And um, it's a fun segment. We spin the community wheel. Uh, It's got topics and questions that are crowdsourced from the Hatchpad community. And these can uh, range from anywhere from compensation to diversity to interviewing. Um, So I'm going to go and spin the wheel and see, um, uh, see what today's topic is. All right, leadership. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yes,
0: we get hyped about leadership around right here. Um, all right, let me jump into um, my spreadsheet here and see what kind of questions we got on this one. Okay. Okay, so the question would be, how do you gain the respect and buy-in of key stakeholders within a startup? Um,
2: key stakeholders within your company or within the customer's company? Within or? your
0: company, yeah. So, you know, maybe it's, I don't know, somebody who's like a, a head of business development or... Um, you know somebody that's uh, in a cross, de- cross department that might add some value, but um, yeah, in any any specific areas uh, that you've experienced or that you would advocate for to um, to help gain that respect and buy in from other folks within the within the organization at a high level?
2: Well, I would say from the, the standpoint of, that I, I'm in now, I, I I think it's important for the the leadership team to first have the mindset that they don't have a monopoly on good ideas and that a good idea can come from anybody in the organization. And you really want to encourage everyone to speak up about good ideas because that's, that's how the the company grows the best. And if there is that openness to, to new ideas being put forth to leadership, then you, you have a clearer path, path to it. And you can even have, with some, Large organizations, they have a whole process around how you can present an idea to leadership. And for us, we're so tiny that's not necessary. But, but this concept of any smart idea, I want to hear about it is something that that's really important for, for the organization. And, and if, if there isn't a path like that, so if there is a path like that, then great. Then you take that path and, and you can get it, get the idea in front of people. And when you, when you are presenting, you want to basically have a very clear and concise discussion of what it is um, and keep in mind that you are going to most likely be talking to someone who's not a technologist. And so you don't want to get super in the weeds on the technical side of it, but talk more about the business outcomes and the business benefits of it.
1: I think the other thing on the good idea is that um, no one owns an idea. It's just an idea, right? So yeah. be open-minded, like present, regardless of which side of the presenting or listening side of the idea, once it's in this that shared space right now, it's our idea and we can riff on it and we can take it to the next level. and And I think it's important when leadership does like sort of talk about a good idea that they listen to feedback on potential ways to make the idea better rather than being defensive about like, oh, well, we thought about that. Uh, it's not going to work or whatever. Um, I think that's an important part as well in, in getting that respect and getting, you know, collaboration and, and stuff on, on those ideas.
2: Yep. Yeah. Agreed. And so my, my experience on, on the other side of it, when, so when I was at the department of Homeland security, I was essentially an entrepreneur and I had an idea for building some in-house technology that I knew would, would benefit, uh, all of the the analysts within the division. And so it took a while before it got to that leadership level. I had been socializing the idea with all of the, the potential users for months and months and months and having meetings with them of what it would look like and getting those conversations started. So by the time that leadership heard about it, it already had some good momentum, mm-hmm. And so that, that would be my, my advice for if, if there isn't this well-worn path, then then get some some momentum under your belt first and and then get to the point where, where you can articulate it well and say, hey, I'm not the only one that has this idea and who thinks that there's value in it. All these people do as mm-hmm. well.
0: That's great. Yeah, I love that idea of like, you know, you've already done some legwork here. This isn't just something that you just whipped up. Um, yeah. you put a lot of work into it, uh, to get, to get buy-in from other, other users. And now you're trying to get the, that leadership to buy in. So that's, that's a good point. How about you, Mike? I identify with everything
3: that was just said. So I don't know if I could give it enough thumbs up. And the other thing, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, just on top of what uh, Roselle said, like for me too, I know when I'm kind of going across, you know, peers and we talk about feedback, something I try to. Definitely keep in mind for myself, at least, if I'm going to offer some feedback, I'm more than willing to put in the legwork to do some of it. Um, If it's like looking at a document, I'm definitely going to leave some thoughtful comments. Um, Like not just going to say, I don't understand this, but I'm willing to rewrite this to look like that. Um, It doesn't take much time, but kind of shows effort. You know, Uh, same thing kind of the other way around, I guess, you know, being an engineer at heart and and then kind of getting a chance to be... uh, In a spot, thankfully, to kind of like lead engineers the way I think I would want to, you know, showing people that there's no, you know, amount of shoveling that I won't do myself, whether it's staying up late, um, if it's some type of real terrible script, uh, if somebody has something that's more business important, I'm more than happy to kind of jump in. Uh, You know, my time's not always best spent there, but if it's late at night and that's the best way to spend that time, like I will do that. So, I think it's kind of uh, extending your way out there um, and showing it too, right? I mean, I think it's important to voice what's happening down up, what's kind of happening from up down and then, you know, side to side. So everybody kind of understands, hey, where could Mike help me? And where is he, you know, really willing to help me? Like he'll do anything, but it's probably not the right guy to close a sale, That he's more than happy to jump on a sales call if it's worth it. Um, so I think those types of bonds kind of help establish a little bit of like that leadership rapport. And like all the feedback that was just discussed, that's just a part of that cycle to me.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, I One thing that I've kind of picked up on uh, within, our, within our company is, you know, never really portraying myself as like this, you know, big CEO, uh, but trying to kind of like get down on everyone's level and really uh, almost like just... Uh, um, maybe it's maybe it's being vulnerable or just kind of being really transparent and uh, letting folks in because I, I I like to I like to same as you as you mentioned, Rizal. I like to get folks' ideas. And sometimes, if you become like this intimidator, it's you're you know they're going to be more shy to present something because they think it's you know it's going to get shut down or this is going to be embarrassing. But like, I put myself out all the time that I don't I don't I always know what I'm doing here. Um, I, I'm hiring folks because I want those ideas. Like you, you, you know, good leaders are, are folks that are bringing in folks to, to build in areas that they're not capable of. And that's one of the things that, um, I try to do is, you know, we, you know, we, when and it's maybe a little bit easier when we're smaller, you know, 20, 20 ish employees where everybody can still get on a zoom and, and you can kind of like throw yourself out there and, you know have more of like this, like, um, um, easygoing mentality or, you know, we don't take ourselves too seriously. I think it's a big thing here. And because of that, I think it allows for folks to feel more inclined to share, um, an idea, whereas maybe they weren't, you know, privy to it in a previous company where it was a little bit stiffer or something like that. I think that's interesting. You said something that,
1: um, sort of resonated because I had a conversation just earlier today. I have, um, I have a, Engineering team we are sort of splitting things up and I'm looking for some people to take on a little bit more leadership responsibility. And I was trying to explain like, it's not like I, their concern was, I don't want people to think that I'm like now above them. I'm like, you're not, you're just in a different role. Like we all have roles to play. Like, yes, you report to me organizationally because I have years of experience, blah, blah. But like, in general, like we just all have our roles to play. My role is to do this and to meet so that, you know, and and do whatever your role is going to be maybe a little less hands-on engineering and a little bit more moving the tickets around and, and working with different people and sequencing things out or whatever, but it's just a different role. It's not, you know, a hierarchical thing. And I think that that's an important part as well Is just sort of showing that, you know, as you said, like down in the trenches, like I'm, I don't, feel like i'm any more or less important than anyone else in the organization we're all just as important we're all here to solve the same problems we all have our role to play on that i think that's an important part that goes a long way um as is i think um mike you touched on it which is the feedback like like if i'm giving feedback i better be willing to accept feedback and act on feedback um I joked uh, at one of the more recent podcast uh, recordings that my pairing was like a hat and and bad hair. Uh, it's because the feedback I got from my team was my hair was terrible. So, <laughs> <laughs> put on a hat, <laughs> but I mean I'm just joking. But like, but the fact of the matter is, like, you establish those sort of personal rapport and like have that be be able to have that conversation. And like, I think it goes a long way. Like, you don't always have to be talking about work. It's important to sort of establish a nice rapport where you can exchange ideas and 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 talk. I can definitely go into Slack right now
3: and search for how many times in public channels I said I was wrong. Like I have no problem <laughs> right. doing that. So yeah, like if yeah, that shows yeah. the vulnerability aspect, I'm, right. I agree with you there.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I actually had someone on my leadership team after we had a meeting where I said, oh yeah, that was on me. I should have done X. And and she said, that was amazing that you did that. That you just admitted that in front of the whole group. And that, that just changes the way that that everyone looks at how they relate to everyone else on the team and and what they feel that that they can talk about
1: yeah i think it's important that people feel comfortable being able to make a mistake and then admit yeah. like, yeah. like right don't be afraid to fail like that's the, the the failure is sweeping it under the rug or pretending like it didn't happen mm-hmm. or not 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 learning from it um i think is is really the failure not the mistake itself
0: yeah yeah yeah, you actually brought up a point, Mike, just uh, in the cyberspace of like, um, you know, when, when somebody kind of got snagged on a phishing attack uh, or something like that, like a, in a, a testing scenario, you know, you, by bringing it to that people's attention, you did the right thing. Like that was it versus like trying to pretend and hide it and like, oh, no, it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah.
2: Because I've been on the other side of it where back when I was in cybersecurity operations, where we had logs that someone clicked on something they shouldn't have clicked on, and so we'll go to them and say, "Hey, look, you you clicked on this, and so you know we're, we're gonna need to do X with your machine." And they're like, "No, I didn't click on it. Oh. And like, <laughs> we well, have the logs that well, well, you well, that actually
1: on. implies it's even worse. It means somebody else was on your machine and did yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. it. Which door do you really want to
0: open right yeah, now? I Cool. Well yeah, I think um, we could talk about leadership traits for, yeah. for a while. I, I want to be mindful of everyone's time and um, kind of wrap at this point. Um, any uh, anywhere specific that you'd want to to point folks to to, to find you on social um, you know you feel free to rattle it off. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes as well but I don't know if there's anything public you wanted to announce
2: So I'm I'm on LinkedIn and spend more time on it than I probably should. Um, and, and yeah, and our, our website for Key Caliber is just keycaliber.com, K-E-Y-C-A-L-I-B-E-R.com.
3: Good stuff. Mike, Hands. I'm also on LinkedIn and I'm embarrassed to say that I pay for the premium. So, uh, <laughs> if you go there, I'll probably see it though. I have no idea what to do with that information. Uh, LinkedIn, Michael Hands And then our website at Picnic is getpicnic.com. Uh, it's beautiful I'm always looking for feedback on it but I could never create
0: something as beautiful as it so uh, yeah good stuff thank you guys so much for joining us I think uh, it's a really interesting uh, topic and you know, maybe we do have a follow up uh, at some point where we kind of compare the different styles of, of stealth mode but uh, this is a, a really uh, interesting one and uh, thank you all for spending some time with us thank you thanks for having me thanks so much Thank you for listening to the PAIR program. If you'd like to continue the conversation from this week's episode, you can do so with the Hatchpad community. Join us at chat.myhatchpad.com.